What up, son? It's the tail of the tapes. The fuck life. Saying. I tell of the tape season two episode number 59 on today's episode we got afro men and corrupt so afro man for all intents and purposes a one-hit wonder i know technically he had more like two popular songs but nonetheless he still fits into this general category for the most part and as far as my opinions and expectations on Afro Man, I have to admit they weren't very high. Me personally, I've never been a big fan of silly type raps and stuff like that. So off the bat, going into Afro Man, I expected to not really enjoy the majority of his material and also didn't expect him to finish very well. Now, obviously that doesn't mean that because I'm not a fan of silly type raps that that doesn't mean that Afro Man is good. You can certainly you know, rap silly and be good, but I'm just letting you guys know that for me personally heading into this, I didn't expect to enjoy much of Afro Man. That being said, I do have to admit, aside from the one or two popular songs he had, I knew absolutely nothing of Afro Man, so it wouldn't blow my mind if my expectations were inaccurate. As far as Corrupt is concerned, I was pretty excited to get to Corrupt. Back in the day, I heard my favorite rapper at the time, Eminem, list Corrupt as one of his top 10 hip-hop artists of all time. Now, I can't confirm whether this is Eminem's personal favorite list or his opinion on who he thinks the best were, but nonetheless, when the goat speaks, you listen. And from what I've heard from Corrupt at the time that Eminem said that, I did not agree with him, but, but was also well aware that my knowledge of Corrupt and his music was very limited. So when I started this study and started hearing some corrupt features and horseman albums, I started to wonder what the fuck I was missing and it seemed like corrupt was heavily overrated. I never had anything against corrupt, but was never a fan or had any of his albums or anything like that. Even though I personally didn't expect too much from corrupt, I thought maybe I was wrong again because surely Eminem knows more than me when it comes to stuff like this. But like I said, as I started hearing some more corrupt stuff, I started to trust my gut more than Eminem's opinion, but we're still torn as to where corrupt would wind up here, so let's get into these guys and find out. Both of these artists on today's episode had their debut albums out in 1998, but Afro Man's was out first, so we're going to start off with him. His birth name is Joseph Edgar Foreman, born July 28, 1974 in Los Angeles, California, United States. His genres are listed as West Coast hip-hop, hip-hop, and comedy hip-hop. Instruments are listed as vocals, guitar, bass guitar, and drums. And his years active are listed as 1997 to present. So I always like to point out when artists are actually capable of playing instruments, which, for the record, is a very rare thing. So Afro Man joins a very small list of artists who are able to play instruments, and Afro Man actually able to play multiple instruments, so... Very impressive stuff there for sure, so let's read up on some background info on Afro Man here and see what else we can find out. Joseph Edgar Foreman, born July 28, 1974, better known by his stage name Afro Man, is an American rapper, singer, songwriter, comedian, and multi-instrumentalist. He is known for his songs Because I Got High, released in 2000, and Crazy Rap, which was released in 2001, and both were featured on his album The Good Times. Afro Man was nominated for a Grammy Award in 2002. So pretty short and simple there for Afro Man, but not pointless. Like we discussed earlier, he's a multi-instrumentalist, a comedian, and a singer. So we certainly see a very talented artist here who's fluent in more than just rapping. We saw his two hit songs mentioned, and we also see that he was nominated for a Grammy in 2002, although he's never won one. So now let's get into my breakdown of Afro Man and see how that reads. I knew nothing of Afro Man other than because I got high and didn't think I'd be too surprised by anything Afro Man had to offer, but admittedly, I was wrong. For starters, Afro Man was more than a rapper. He also sings and plays three instruments on top of rapping. As an artist and musician, I was very impressed with Afro Man as even in being funny, he was very artistic with some tremendously catchy hooks. As a rapper, yes, he can surely rap about anything, just not very good. 
Most rhymes were simplistic and predictable, although at times he did show a decent ability with multisyllabic rhymes and using different rhyme schemes. Even still, any time he upped his technicalities, the words usually suffered. He also took shortcuts a lot, didn't rhyme sometimes, and said some things that were quite frankly stupid and didn't make much sense. On top of that, he showed very little versatility or substance and had some really poor attempts at good lines. Like most good comedy, though, he did have some underlying truths in his music. Even though he was carried by his ability to keep a topic, bar A didn't always lead into bar B well, and he finished below average lyrically overall. Another thing about Afro Man that really caught me off guard was the size of his catalog. To most, myself included, Afro Man is a one-hit wonder, so you can imagine my surprise when I realized he registered 22 albums for scoring. Three of those albums were just barely good, and the remaining 19 were average. In total, Afro Man qualified 255 songs for scoring, almost all of which seemed too long. Of those 255, none were great, 22 were good, and 27 were weak. For some reason, he constantly recycled bars, concepts, and songs on different albums years apart. As addressed earlier, most know Afro Man as a one-hit wonder, and he didn't do much else to help this case with Jadakiss being the only artist he visibly influenced. Where Afro Man really saved himself was in originality. Not only did he not follow the crowd, but his message, song ideas, ridiculous parodies, image, content, and overall sound were all one of a kind. Had he not taken so many things from Easy e Biggie, E-40, and so many other artists before him, he would have been closer to a perfect score in this department. So while it does sound like there were some pleasant surprises with Afro Man, in general, that didn't sound like too strong of a breakdown, so let's check out the math here for Afro Man and see where he winds up. Lyrics, he gets a 4. Like I spoke about, there was just so many things that went into this. Yes, he did have moments and times where he showed an ability to do multi-syllabic rhymes and use different rhyme schemes, and... I use that word that he showed an ability to do it because I want to point out that there were times that he did it, but again, he had a very large catalog with 255 songs, and it wasn't very often that he did stuff like that, but I did want to point out that he did show the ability to do it. But again, other than that, you know, most rhymes were just very simplistic and predictable. He took shortcuts a lot. There were times he just didn't rhyme. There were plenty of times that he just said shit that was just... You know, you hear it and you're like, wow, that was dumb. Or that made no sense. And he didn't really show any type of like substance or versatility in any of his songs. Like I said, with most good comedy, there were some underlying truths. But he just, he was very sporadic, Afro Man, when it came to lyrics. I mean, he, he did show a good ability to keep a topic. But even though he showed the ability to keep a topic, bar A didn't always lead into bar B well. So what I mean by that is... Let's say we're rapping about the color green, okay? He would show an ability to have all of his bars, so bar 1, bar 2, bar 3, bar 4, right? All the way up to 16 or whatever it was. Yeah, he would rap about the color green, but bar A would really have absolutely nothing to do with bar B. It would just be on some shit like, a four-leaf clover is green. My CD cover is also green. Know what I mean? And it just... You know, again, bad example. I'm just sitting here making up random shit on the spot. I'm not trying to be impressive. I'm just trying to give you guys an example of what I mean. The four-leaf clover has absolutely nothing to do with his CD case. So, yes, he was able to keep a topic, but his bars were just sporadic and random on top of all the other technical mishaps that I just spoke about. So, at the end of the day, was Afro Man trash? No, he wasn't, but he was definitely below average lyrically. Albums, he gets a 3.21 with zero classics, and that's not really a very good score. Like I said, he qualified 22 albums for scoring, three of which were just barely good, the other 19 being average. So, I mean, yes, consistent, but not necessarily consistently good. Consistently average, almost at best. I don't want to say at best because there were no weak albums, but I mean, when we're talking about some of these scores here, it's like... 1.1 to 1.5 is what we consider good. His good albums were 1.1s and stuff like that. Then the average album is 0.6 to 1.0 or something like that. A lot of his average albums might have been 0.6 or 0.7 and things like that. 
So the point that I'm trying to make is that the majority of them were average and a lot of them were bordering that average week, whereas the ones that were good were, again, bordering good average. So he never was really to take it past a certain point, neither with lyrics or albums. Songs, he gets a minus 1.1. I mean, there's two things to be noted here. Number one, I say this, both of these things all the time. You don't want to be losing points where you could be gaining points. And anything that's plus or minus a full point starts to become extremely significant here. So in this case, we have a minus 1.1 for Afro Man. So he's losing over a full point here. Like I said, that came from 255 registered songs and 27 of them were weak with none being great. Now, what I want to point out really quickly has nothing to do with his song score, but because we're talking about the songs, I want to just point it out. So when we get to the song score, we're pinning their best songs against their worst songs. And the reason we're doing that is because I don't think I've covered anybody, and I don't think I will cover anybody, at least I hope I won't cover anybody, that doesn't have any good songs. Right? There's just so many different ways to get to a good song that I, I just can't even fathom somebody going their entire career, whether it's one album or 15 albums, without ever registering a good song. So... Yes, good songs are better than average songs, and they're going to raise your album score and things like that. But good songs are not necessarily going to raise your song score, because we can't just pin the good songs against the weak songs. Well, then what about the great ones? You're going to get credit for the great ones and the good ones, but you're only going to lose credit for the weak ones? So we're looking at both sides of the fence here. You have so many instances where somebody's huge and then they fall off or they have like basically two separate careers where they did one thing and then there's like you know some hiatus or something happens and then they do a total 180 whether they sold out or whether they fell off or whatever it is that happens different things happen to different people but we have to look into those extremes and say okay what were some of the best things that they were able to do as far as their songs are concerned how many top-notch great songs did this person put out Okay, there's your number, right? But now we also have to keep into account the flip side of that fence, right? Well, he made seven great songs, bro. Okay, good, but did he have 30 weak songs? Because that is heavily outweighed. So when you look at it like that, right, it's, it's again, I'm going to compare it to boxing, and I don't know who is or who isn't a big boxing fan. But when you look at boxing records, do you have to have an undefeated record? No. Mayweather went 50-0, and 0, right? But there's plenty of people, Lennox Lewis, uh, whatever it is, 45-2 and 2, um, with two avenged losses, right? So there isn't anybody that Lennox Lewis fought that he didn't beat. Uh, Muhammad Ali, same thing, had like five losses, but pretty much beat every person he ever fought, whether it was in a rematch or whatever the case was. There's plenty of people out there like this that have these losses but are not considered shitty fighters. It's not just because you lose, oh, okay, you suck, someone beat you. The reason for that is we have to look at both sides of the fence. You can't say to somebody, well, he's got two losses on his record. Well, yeah, but he won 17 belts, though. That's got to count for more than losing twice out of 48 fights, right? The guy's 46-2 and two and he won 17 belts. You're going to tell me he sucks because he lost twice? Now, on the flip side of that, you can't just throw somebody in the ring every week and say that because they're constantly fighting, it means they're good. But he has 60 wins, though. Mayweather only had 50 wins. He's got more wins than Mayweather. He's got 60 wins, but he's got 47 losses. That's not that impressive. 60 wins just means he's fighting a lot because he's almost losing every other fight. So I say this to point out to you that you can't just look at one side of the fence and say, oh, okay, you know, whatever. So we have to pin the great things that the person did against the weak things that the person did and see which outweighs the other. In this case, not only does the weak outweigh the great 27 to nothing, but the weak outweighs the good. Afro Man had more weak songs than he had good songs. And that's a pretty staggering stat. Don't quote me on this because I'm not sure. But I'm not sure if we've had anybody like that yet that's had more weak songs than good songs. I would have to look into that, and I'm sure if it was anybody, it would probably be either Mac Dre or Birdman. But I'm telling you, I, I don't even think it was even that close. I, I think that they still had more good songs than weak songs. So that's a pretty mind-blowing stat there for Afro Man, and not in a good way. But like I said, at the end of the day, man, 255 songs, 27 of those being weak. 
That comes to 11%. You move the decimal place over one and it's a 1.1. So Afro Man gets a minus 1.1 in the songs department there. Impact, he gets a four. And like I said, we spoke about this, man. I mean, I, listen, if you're from the Bay Area and you maybe know Afro Man or you heard of Afro Man locally before Afro Man blew up and you just happen to like him and you followed him and stuff like that, of course, to certain people, Afro Man is not going to be a one-hit wonder because maybe you knew him before he was even famous or maybe you were listening to him, you know, from the day that he came out and, and he's not a one-hit wonder to you. But I'm talking about to the general public. Afro Man is your classic one-hit wonder. So, no, you don't give Afro Man a score of a two in the impact department, right? Because Afro Man did have... At least one radio hit, possibly two. I mean, he, he probably technically did have two. I don't really want to speak on what was quote-unquote on the radio or not on the radio because as we all know, times are changing, generations are changing. I don't listen to the radio at all anymore, right? So when it comes to people releasing singles, there's certain people that I'm subscribed to on YouTube or maybe I'm not subscribed to, but I, I'm listening to a lot of them because of this study, right? If that person puts out a single, that's going to pop up when I open my YouTube. The, the algorithms that go on, it's going to suggest that for me. And I'm on YouTube multiple times a day. So the majority of singles that get put out, or at least a good chunk of singles that get put out, I'm hearing them. And I literally have not turned the radio on. Shit, man. What's crazy is I'm going to actually think about this now because I've been making this statement for a long time. Like, I don't put the radio on. But I'm just thinking about now, like, how long it's really legitimately been since I've listened to the radio. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I haven't put the radio on since, like, 2009. And I'm not even bullshitting you guys. So, 13 years. And I don't know whether it's me being a grumpy old man or something. I mean, I don't think I'm that old. I'm only 37 years old. There's definitely plenty of new hip-hop that I fuck with for sure. No doubt about it. I think there are some new artists that are absolutely tremendous. So I don't want to sound like one of those guys that's, oh, the new shit sucks. I'm, I'm not on that wave. I don't think the new shit sucks. I think the radio sucks. I think the business of the music sucks. I think the attention that they're throwing on certain shitty artists sucks. But I don't think the quote-unquote new artists suck. I just think they're throwing the limelight on a lot of the new artists that suck. So be careful with your wording there and what you mean when you're saying things because there's definitely plenty of new dope artists that are out for sure. But again, the point of me saying all this is that I can't speak on what was actually on the radio or not on the radio for Afro Man because I don't really remember if both of those songs were all over the radio or whatever, but I can speak on their popularity. They were very popular songs that people were talking about. People knew about them. So whether I put on the radio or not didn't matter. Somebody was going to say that to me. Somebody was going to rant, because I got high. Because I got high. You were going to hear somebody sing it. You were going to hear somebody make a statement. What the fuck did you do that for? Because I got high. It was just a thing, right? So he had that. You can't take that away from that dude. I never had that. There's going to be plenty of artists that we cover in this study. There's going to be some artists that are going to be tremendous artists that are going to wind up, whether they finish very high or very low, but I'm just trying to make a point. There's going to be some tremendous artists that finish very high that have never had that type of success. They never had a hit, ever. They got 10 albums out, and they've never sold over X amount of records. They've never had a, a song on the radio. They've never had a big hit single or anything like that. So again, that's like the point of this study. We're weighing things against each other. Well, was he good enough lyrically? Did he have enough dope songs and dope albums? Was he, was he original enough to overcome the fact that he didn't have any radio songs or any big commercially successful hits. Same thing with Afro Man, but on the flip side, right? You're a one-hit wonder. You didn't have this. You didn't have this huge impact. You didn't affect a lot of people musically. You didn't, you know, whatever, all these things, right? But you did have that hit. So again, we're going to see. Can that hit outweigh some of Afro Man's technical mishaps? In my opinion, it certainly won't. And I, I mean... That was my opinion going into the study, and that's my opinion now, even though I obviously know where Afro Man finishes. I'm just trying to make a point that in in my mind, no, one little, you know, one hit or two hits or one score in one department 
is probably not going to carry you. It may help you. It may save you. It may stop you from tanking, but it's not going to carry you to the top. I mean, we're at a point in this study, we're almost halfway through at this point. Um, we're almost done with the 90s here. We're at a point now where it's like, <laughs> nobody's skating by anymore, man. Like average scores, just below average scores, things like that. You're going to the bottom or towards the bottom. Um, you know, just above average scores or let's say good scores. Yeah, they may get you in the top half, but nah, they're not going to carry you to the top 10 or something like that. Whereas when we only had 40 something people done, yeah, you could probably just get good scores and be top six or something, right? But that's just not cutting it anymore at this point in the study. So that's where I'm coming from saying that I, I don't believe that things like that are going to carry people to a good finish. So Afro Man gets a below average score of four there for impact, which is mostly what you'll see when people are one hit wonders. Obviously, they can do things to raise that score if they were a one-hit wonder. What if you're a one-hit wonder, but you got 17 names of artists that you influenced, that sampled you, or that took beats from you, or took lines from you? Okay, maybe you're a four and a half now, right? Or whatever it is. Um, again, don't get specific with me or quote me on anything. I'm just trying to make a point. There are also probably things that Afro Man maybe could have done to lower that, although that would have been harder. Because think about this, the lower that numbers get, or on the flip side, the higher that numbers get, right? If you're down to a three or a two and a half in something, in order to bring that down to a two, it's going to be a lot harder to drag that down to a two than it is going to be to raise that to a three. Because you're so far on one side that a couple little things, all right, it's a three. Because a three is still a pretty bad score. So the couple of little things is not going to change the two and a half into a six and make it a good score, but it, it, okay, it could bring it up to a three because you have to keep those things into consideration and a three is still a pretty bad score. So yeah, I don't mind putting it from a two and a half to a three because he added these things in there or whatever it is, right? Same thing on the flip side. If you got somebody that's getting an eight and a half or a nine in a certain department, in order to bring that to a nine and a half or whatever, they're going to really have to fucking clamp down and do some ridiculous shit where I say, damn, man, like I got to fucking raise this again. Like this guy is just ridiculous in this department or whatever, right? The same way if you're having a nine or an eight and a half in let's say originality or something and you do something super original, it's probably a little bit easier to bring that down to an eight and a half or an eight because he's so high and it's like, ah, all right, he's got to lose a little something for that. Like, you know? So when he's already at a four, it would be harder for him at that point because you can't take away the two hits, right? The two hits happened or the one hit, whatever you want to say. That happened, so we can't erase it. So that's always going to hold whatever weight it holds, whether it's a point or a half a point or whatever the hell you want to call it. I'm not trying to get specific here. I'm just trying to make a point. That's always going to be there. So we can't eliminate that. And it's like, all right, well, he's down to a four. I mean, he didn't really have any like visible impacts on anybody, stuff like that. So what else is there? What are we going to take credit away for? I mean, he had a large catalog. You can't say that he hardly did anything. I mean, he made a lot of music, that's for sure. So I'm just trying to make a point that as the numbers start getting lower, it becomes harder to lose more at that point and easier to gain. Vice versa, when the numbers are high, it becomes harder to gain at that point and easier to lose. So he stays at a below average score of four there for impact, which, like I said, is basically almost just carried by the fact that people know his name. I, you know, he's not really brought up a lot. He's not talked about a lot. But you say Afro Man, like people know who Afro Man is. And, uh, you know, like he did have that hit, like everybody knows that fucking song and you can't take that away from that guy. So yes, it's a below average score, but it's not a fucking zero. And then originality, he gets an eight and a half. Now this one I want to talk about for a second because an eight and a half is a very, very solid score. So I'm not trying to knock this score at all, but I do want to point out that Afro man was an extremely original character in general. When it came to his parodies, his singing, his image, uh, just every single thing about the guy. I talk about people a lot of times that get really good originality scores, right? Like it's an eight and a half or it's a nine or something like that. And I always point out, okay, this guy wasn't totally outlandish and completely out of left field, right? But he was always himself. Okay, Afro Man was completely outlandish and completely out of left field. The shit that he wore, the shit that he said... 
the parodies that he did, the things that he made songs about, it just everything about this guy was super unique and original. Beyond the point of being an eight and a half for sure, probably being about a nine and a half. Now, I also always point out that when it comes to things like this, other things are definitely going to hold more weight than people just sampling shit. So like, for example, if you're taking lines from people or making, you know, all your hits are, are the same beat that somebody else already used and they made a hit out of it and then you just bought the rights to it and now you're like remaking a hit out of it. Those things are going to hurt your originality more than just putting like a random sample of someone's interview on your song or something like that, right? That's more showing like respect and homage or like relatability or something like that. So yeah, if you keep sampling, yes, it's going to affect your originality score, but not as much as the other things are. But Afro Man took so many things from so many people particularly Easy e Biggie, and E-40. We're talking about, like, probably over five-plus separate things from each of those guys. So you're talking about just right there. You're talking about, at minimum, 15 samples or lines taken or beats used or song ideas taken or whatever the case is right there, just with those three people. Now, yes, he had a big catalog, 255 songs, 22 albums, but... The point I'm trying to make is even taking the large catalog into consideration, this man just took so many things from so many people that it probably wound up losing him a full point, which is crazy astonishing when I'm trying to explain to you how it means less to just sample people than it does to take things in other ways or some of the other things that you do, like maybe your image or your slang or your voice or the content of your music or the the things that you're making songs about or your song titles or whatever it may be. Those things are going to hold more weight than you just sampling. But this guy just took so many things from so many people that it wound up losing him at least a full point. So yes, eight and a half is a tremendous originality score. But I'm just trying to point out that had he not taken so much, that could have been closer to a nine and a half or a ten for sure. So you add all those five numbers up and you divide by five and that gives you a final rating of 3.72 which leaves Afro Man in 165th place of 194 artists done overall. So obviously not a great finish there for Afro Man but there were just so many things going into that that I feel I need to touch on this a bit. First of all, like I've said many times before and I'll probably say it many times again moving forward. This is scored as a rapper, not as a musician. As an artist and a musician, I actually loved Afro Man. Like, I spoke to you guys earlier in the intro to this episode, and I talked about how I actually expected to hate Afro Man. Now, I'm not speaking on how well I thought Afro Man would do or any scores that he got. I'm strictly speaking on how much I thought I would enjoy listening to his music. I thought I was going to hate it. And when I found out it was 22 albums and 255 songs, I was like, man, this is going to be a rough week right here. But again, as an artist and a musician, I actually loved Afro Man. I liked a lot of his riffs he created with instruments. I loved a lot of his hooks that he sang. And I heavily preferred him singing to him rapping. That being said, as a rapper, he wasn't good. On top of that, being a one-hit wonder and having a low impact score, coupled with the fact that he recycled songs constantly, certainly didn't help his song and album scores either. So again, yes, mathematically this is a poor finish, but at the end of the day, Afro Man is a pretty solid artist overall. So like I said, his rap style is certainly not my cup of tea as I preferred his singing and did not enjoy the very high majority of his rapping. But I gotta give Afro Man his props when it comes to music overall, man. No question. So I just want to give a shout out to Afro Man for being not only a very talented musical artist, but a very unique original character for sure. And I don't want to take nothing away from him in that department at all. So now let's move on to Corrupt. And we'll finally get to see if we agree here with another one of Eminem's predictions. 
Born Ricardo Emmanuel Brown, November 23rd, 1972, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, United States. Other names, Young Gotti and Corrupt the Kingpin. His years active are listed as 1991 to present. His origins listed as Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, United States. And his genres are listed as West Coast hip-hop and gangster rap. So, I think a couple of things need to be pointed out here. We see that one of Corrupt's genres are listed as West Coast hip-hop, yet he was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Now that doesn't necessarily mean anything, because he could have just been born there and moved when he was six months old to the West Coast, in which case his place of origin would be listed somewhere on the West Coast, but again, it's not. That's Philadelphia, Pennsylvania as well. This is because Corrupt didn't move to California until he was 16 years old, which was still three years prior to him signing to Death Row Records in 1992. So he certainly was a native West Coaster at the time of his hip-hop debut. And with that touched on, let's check out some additional background info on Corrupt and see if we can learn anything there. I had been excited slash intrigued to go through Corrupt's catalog since the day I started this study, mostly because Eminem had him in his top 10 list. In short, Corrupt is probably one of the most overrated rappers of all time next to Andre 3000 of OutKast, who, ironically enough, was also in Eminem's top 10 list. Lyrically, he was extremely inconsistent from verse to verse, but even more so from bar to bar. He had some dope bars and cool wordplay, but it was mostly overshadowed with run-on bars, shortcuts, and times he didn't rhyme. He was decent at keeping a topic and showed the ability to use different rhyme patterns, but also just repeated phrases instead of rhyming relatively often and finished average overall lyrically. In total, Corrupt registered nine albums for scoring. Six solo, plus two albums and one EP with The Horseman. Four of his six solo albums were good, with the remaining two being average. One Horseman album was a classic, the other was a borderline classic, and the EP was on its way to scoring as a classic had it been longer. All of this clearly shows that he was carried by the other group members on those albums as quite frankly he was the weak link in the group. That being said, lyrically, it's an amazingly strong group and his aggressive delivery and unique wordplay allowed him to never seem out of place within the unit. Corrupt registered 132 songs for scoring throughout his 25 year career. Of those 132, 7 were great while 3 were weak and another 25 were good. Again, though, a good majority of those numbers were carried by the Horsemen. Corrupt was always one of those individuals whose successes never seemed to equal the respect he got from his peers. Take that how you want, but he also only really managed to have clear musical influences on Dr. Dre. When it came to originality, Corrupt had something going there for himself. Image-wise, he was West Coast, but in his own way. When it came to the actual music, he certainly had his very own abstract style. So an odd dynamic here of more than one person that Eminem has in his top 10 list seeming like they're completely overrated letdowns, so let's check out the numbers for Corrupt and see if this rings true for him. Lyrics he gets a 5, so let's talk about something real quick here before I even discuss Corrupt's lyrics at all. Here we have a scenario where I'm growing up as a teenager listening to Eminem and I'm mind blown and I'm like, yo, this dude is... I don't really know how sure I was when I was young that he was the best ever, but he was definitely one of my favorites. As I got older and like was graduating high school and shit like that, that's when I started to become a little bit more stern on, nah, no one's better than Eminem. So to have somebody like that turn around and tell you, right? Like let's say Michael Jordan, you play basketball and Michael Jordan's your idol or something. And, or you box and Mike Tyson's your idol. And you sit down and, and you, you talk to Mike Tyson. Hey, Mike, who's your favorite fighter? Muhammad Ali. And it's like, damn, Muhammad Ali's got something, huh? Because this guy is my fucking favorite, but this guy is his favorite. He's my favorite's favorite. So to have somebody like Eminem, who was at the time not only one of my favorite rappers, but we've covered him in this study, and he's still sitting very, very, very comfortably in number one. So, to have that guy turn around and say that Corrupt is in the top ten, and I, and he places Corrupt above himself, I'm like, yo, I can't wait to get up to this fucking dude. You, like, he, he better than you, bro? Like... So to have that guy 
score a five lyrically is a huge letdown to me because of my expectations. Now, the letdown doesn't change the math. The five is the five. I'm let down because I wanted an eight or a nine. So I'm let down. But the five is just the five. If I expected a two or a three, the five would be great. I'd be like, wow, I was very pleasantly surprised. But either way, whether I'm pleasantly surprised or majorly let down, the five is just the five. The five is what Corrupt is. And now we could talk a little bit more about why Corrupt got a five. So first and foremost, like I said, Corrupt was extremely inconsistent, not only from verse to verse, but even more so from bar to bar. So you would have this dynamic with Corrupt and... Again, this is coming from a judgment standpoint. This isn't coming from a listening or liking music standpoint. Because to be quite honest with you, I kind of like Corrupt. And there were like two or three Corrupt songs that I had known like when I was younger. It's over, move over now. Whatever his bigger songs were. I mean, I didn't grow up on the West Coast and I was young at that time. So admittedly, I didn't know very much Corrupt. But I had heard Corrupt and I had kind of liked what I heard from him. So I'm not trying to, to, to explain this here from a listener's liking or not liking standpoint because for the most part, I kind of enjoyed Corrupt. I, I kind of like his sound. I like his delivery and I definitely fucking love the horseman work. So the reason that I'm saying it was annoying is from a judging standpoint because Corrupt would do these things where I'd be like, okay, there he goes. Right, like he'd say some shit or he'd he'd rhyme nine syllables in the first bar, right? But then the second bar wouldn't rhyme with anything. And I'm like, man, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you're making it impossible for me to give you fucking points anywhere. Because every time you do something that's really impressive, you just do something really terrible or stupid right after it. Now again, this is art. Corrupt can do whatever he wants. And again, from a listener's liking and not liking standpoint, this doesn't bother me. I like Corrupt's music. But from a judgment standpoint of syllables, rhyme schemes, shortcuts, run-on bars, all these things, ability to keep a topic, it was very annoying because I can see where Eminem's getting Corrupt is dope from. Because, again, I kind of like Corrupt. I like a lot of his songs. I added a bunch of his songs to my list. I have an all-time hip-hop list. I have certain, like, decades of hip-hop. So I was adding Corrupt shit to the list. And these lists are just lists that I like to just ride around and listen to. So, again, I like some Corrupt shit. And he definitely had some moments where he did some really dope shit. And I was like, oh, man. And that was what made me like want to give Corrupt a better score. But again, it would just be followed by something else where I'm like, damn, they just washed each other. So I can see the dope things that Corrupt did, the difficult things that Corrupt did. I can see why Eminem likes him. I can see why Eminem, you know, is leaning in that direction. But again, when you objectively look at it and you take away what you like and what you dislike and you just objectively look at mathematically, technically, how many syllables is he rhyming? How many shortcuts is he taking? How many rhyme schemes is he using? How complicated are they? Are they different all the time? How many run-on bars is he using? Is he able to keep a topic? When you just look at these things objectively and just flat out black and white call them what they are, Corrupt gets a five lyrically at the end of the day. Now, he's way closer to a five and a half than he is to a four and a half for sure because he's a five slash five and a half and if corrupt could just have a fucking half an album or an album let's say where instead of following those good things with these poor things it would go to a five and a half really quickly because again i can see corrupt's potential and some of the things that he's capable of doing and i don't know whether it's a matter of corrupt doing things like that on purpose just to be different Or it's a matter of corrupt kind of being like, I don't give a fuck. That's just my style. That's the way I rhyme. Like you you can't, you don't have the right to tell me it's not good. So I'm not sure what the exact dynamic is. And I'm not trying to tell corrupt to change his rap style. I'm just strictly speaking on technicalities. If he were to come out and do that, this would so quickly change to a five and a half. And I also do want to point out that If Corrupt is doing that to be different, right? 
okay, yeah, he, he's losing a little bit there because some of his dope lines or some of his syllables or whatever it is is getting washed by some of the run-on bars or some of the times he doesn't rhyme or whatever like that. So when you're counting things mathematically, yeah, they're laying out at a five, right? But he's also adding to his originality by continuously doing something a little bit different. So we'll get to the originality in a minute, but I just wanted to point out both sides of the fence there. So at the end of the day, between everything that Corrupt was able to do and all the things that he wasn't able to do, he winds up with a five overall lyrically. Yes, definitely much closer to a five and a half, but he just was never able to be consistent enough for me to just say, yeah, I'm switching this. So he stays at a five there lyrically. Albums, he gets a 4.84 with one classic. And this is kind of bittersweet here because that's a good album score. And he is getting plus an extra point for a classic, right? It's not a tremendous number. It's not 12 like Jay-Z or whatever the hell it was. But, you know, he's still getting a, a full extra point here for a classic. That's obviously a good thing. But now keep in mind that album score, yes, it's a good album score, but mostly carried by those Horseman scores. And that one point for the classic album, again, a Horseman album. Now, I'm bringing this up to point out a couple of things here. Some people are going to turn around and say, that's fucking bullshit, bro. How could you give him credit for that? He had his own albums. None of his solo albums were classics. None of his solo albums were borderline classics. None of his solo albums were even great. But because he's in a group with these three animals that murder fucking everything... He's getting extra points here. Well, hold up, bro. Because remember that he's in that group for a reason. So the same way that he's getting a point for a classic here, right? And I, I'm not trying to be a dick here and say that Corrupt sucks. But if Corrupt is the worst one in the group, no matter, let's, let's just play devil's advocate here. Let's give Corrupt a seven lyrically. That's a really good score, right? Seven and a half even give him. If the other three members are nine and a halfs, he's still the weak link in the group. Okay, so I'm, I'm not trying to shit on Corrupt by saying this. I'm just trying to make a point. If he's the weakest guy in the group, then the other guys are essentially losing some score due to Corrupt, right? So that works both ways. Well, that's not fair either, bro. It's all fair. It's all fair. Because Corrupt is in the Horseman group for a reason. Corrupt didn't just randomly get stuck in there and Cannabis and Razkaz and Killer Priest are just like, Oh, well, I guess, you know, I guess he could stay if he wants. Fucking Corrupt is in the group for a reason, okay? So, no matter what I give this guy lyrically and no matter what scores I give him here, Corrupt is in that group for a reason and that needs to be taken into consideration. That's a four-man group and those four guys are those four guys for a reason. They've never broke up, they've never deviated, they've never swapped members or anything like that. Very, very, very fucking solid group. And what really blows my mind, and this is, this is, I'm going to tilt my hat to corrupt here for this one, for sure. Because to be in a, a four-man group like that, with three absolutely murderous lyricists, and you're over here scoring a five lyrically, and in no way, shape, or form at any point did you sound out of place on any of those albums... That says something about Corrupt right there. It says something about his delivery. It says something about his overall sound. It says something about his potential, right? Because technically, he may not be scoring as well as them lyrically, but he is capable of doing some incredible things. So if he picks the right spots on the right songs with the right people, which he always seemed to do, he never seems out of place. So I do feel that, yeah, he's a five lyrically, but I also got to point that out that he is able to rock with some giants and hold his own. So yes, the score is influenced by the Horseman, and he's going to get the extra point for the classic, which was a Horseman album, but it is what it is. He's part of the fucking group. That's a group with him in it. He's one-fourth of the group. He was on at least one-fourth of the album, so he's getting a, a classic score there. He's getting an extra point for a classic there. Songs, he gets a plus .31, so just about a third of a point here, which isn't major, but again, you don't want to lose points where you could be gaining points. So Corrupt definitely did more good than bad when it came to songs. He had seven great songs and three weak songs out of a total 132. 
yes, again, the majority of those great songs, or maybe even all of those great songs, I don't want to say that because I don't have the thing open in front of me right now, it's possible that all seven of those great songs were Horseman songs. It's also possible that it was a 4-3 scenario or whatever the case is. So I don't want to go on record as saying that they're all Horseman songs, but you know me. I like to just play devil's advocate and point out both sides of the fence just to make a strong case for my scoring here. Let's just assume that all seven of them are Horseman songs. I'm going to say the same thing to you with that scenario as I'm going to say to you with the album score and the extra point for the classic album. Good on Corrupt for being respected enough to get into that group with those lyricists. Good on Corrupt for not sounding out of place and being able to hold his own in those songs and those albums. And good on Corrupt for not doing anything to fuck that up, right? If Corrupt was fucking that up, he'd probably be out of the group, quite frankly. Or the group just wouldn't make music anymore. Can you imagine if you started a group and you like, oh, these dudes are dope, and then you go record, right, and this one dude just sucks, and you're like, bro, like, do I say something to him? Like, you're saying to one of the other group, like, yo, is it me? And everybody's like, man, he is, like, really bad. Like, we got to say something to him, right? And the album comes out, and it's like, everybody has the same perception. Yo, that one dude sucks. Probably going to part ways, bro. You know what I'm saying? So... Again, we have to give Corrupt credit for certain shit here. So, it's not a major addition. He's not getting a whole point, but swing it the other way and make him lose a third of a point. Then it's a two-thirds of a point swing. So, it does start to become significant. So, it's just plain and simple as if you can gain points, gain them. Don't lose them. So, Corrupt able to gain just about a third of a point there with a plus .31 in the song score. Impact, he gets a five and... I want to touch on this a little bit too. So this is it. And, and it's funny because Afro man just happens to be in this particular podcast episode, but I probably would have used Afro man or maybe Mac Dre or somebody like that as a perfect example. Um, as to if you grew up in corrupts neighborhood, right? When, when corrupt was coming out, there's no way you're going to think that corrupts impact on hip hop is a five. I've stated in the podcast intro in season one that the only biases that are going to come into this study are the biases that can't be helped. I cannot rewind time back to 1997 and move my ass to the West Coast and grow up in the same neighborhood as Corrupt and have a totally different perception for what this man did for hip-hop. I can't do that. I can't go move to Texas and know, you know, my three neighbors that rap and one of them's really fucking dope, but no one knows who he is. I can't do that, right? I only know the kids in Staten Island that I grew up with that were really dope that I want to do in this study. So, yes, there are gonna naturally, as a human being, have to be some biases that are unavoidable in this study. Me listening to someone's lyrics and saying... They did this, they rhyme this many syllables, they're doing these rhyme schemes, they're rapping about these things, they're able to keep a topic, they're not able to keep... These are not opinions. This is black and white shit. What this man did for hip-hop overall as a whole to the general public, what everybody can see, awards won, records set, records sold, uh, you know, what the number of artists that he influenced... Just on and on. We've talked about numerous things numerous times on numerous episodes about how there are so many things you can do to raise or lower your lyric score. So many things you could do to raise or lower your album score. So many things you could do to raise or lower your song score. Impact, originality, same thing. So to somebody in that scenario, corrupt is going to seem almost like a god to them. And I'm not being a dick here. I'm not saying you're dick riding. I'm just saying the perception is different. Because you're seeing so many things that nobody else is seeing. So, of course, your perception on that is going to be different. But I can't go by that. I have to go by what was tangibly done. What was actually done in hip-hop. How many people actually sampled Corrupt? How many people actually took lines from Corrupt? How many people actually took beats from Corrupt? How many people actually took song ideas from Corrupt? How many people took Corrupt's sound or Corrupt's rhyme style or whatever, right? These are the things that you have to pay attention when you're talking about people influenced. Again, there's a million other things that go into impact. How many records did he sell? How much material did he put out? 
How many records did he break? How many number one albums did he have? How many number one songs did he have? Do you have to have number one songs to get a good impact score? Absolutely not. But it's one of the ways. So the more things you can pile on, if you can pile on a yes to everything I'm at, yeah, he did have number one songs. Did he have a number one album? Yeah, he did. Did he influence a lot of people? Yeah, he did. Are they big names? Yeah, they are. So there are people like that where it's just yes, 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 yes to everything. Those are the people that are getting nines, nine and a halfs and shit like that. So with corrupt, again, there's give and take on both sides of the fence. And like I said, if you grew up next door to this guy, that number is probably biasly a lot higher for you. But unbiasly to the rest of the world, corrupt's impact on the hip hop game was a five because like I said, there was give and take originality he gets a seven and a half and i definitely want to give corrupt credit for this in this department for sure like i said when i was reading at the end of his breakdown okay yeah his image in general was west coast right like you you could look at corrupt and know if i said to you do you know who corrupt is and you said no and i said okay i'm gonna show you a picture of corrupt i showed you a picture of corrupt and i said where do you think this dude is from I believe that there's a good chance that you would say the West Coast somewhere, Cali, whatever, something like that. Because, yeah, he, he's that West Coast. He reps that West Coast and he's he's very West Coast, right? But he's West Coast in his own way. So you can't fault somebody for wanting to pay homage and rep where they're from and shit like that. But it, But do it in your own way. Don't just every time somebody comes out with some new dumb shit, you just hop right on it. Like, you come out with some new dumb shit sometimes. You do something that becomes West Coast because you did it. You see what I'm saying? So those are the things that contribute to someone's originality. So what if Corrupt does some shit that's now looked at as typical West Coast, but it wasn't typical West Coast when Corrupt did it though. That's the point here. Corrupt made it typical West Coast. That's a little bit of impact and a little bit of originality. Now, I'm not saying Corrupt did all that shit. I'm just using Corrupt as an example. But I'm just trying to point out how, yes, you can look, quote-unquote, typical West Coast, where if somebody looked at you, they would know you were from the West Coast. But that doesn't mean that you look like everybody else from the West Coast. You might be West Coast in your own way. And that's what Corrupt was when it came to image. When it came to the actual music, like I said, Corrupt had his very own abstract style for sure, and I wanted to make sure that I gave him credit for that. I think that his abstract style and his kind of aggressive delivery and stuff like that and his potential are what were able to allow him to hold his own in such a lyrical powerhouse like the Horseman Group. So again, I want to make sure that I give Corrupt his credit in the originality department here. Now, I just spoke about it with Afro Man before, how I'll say when people get good scores, I may point out he wasn't, you know, totally ridiculous, totally out of left field by any means. Not like Afro Man where he dressed, you know, in these crazy random suits and, you know, sang songs about ridiculous things and yada yada, okay? Corrupt was a little more typical of a, of a rapper, especially a West Coast rapper than that. But again, Corrupt did everything in his own way, from the way that he looked to his rhyme style, his abstract, to his abstract rhyme style and the way that he delivered his rhymes and even just the placement of some of his rhymes. Corrupt was definitely original when it came to that stuff, but again, not totally out of left field, so Wenaki's not going to get a nine and a half or something like that. And again, yes, he's West Coast in his own way, but he still is West Coast. So we have to keep some of those things in mind. So again, a very good score here of seven and a half for the, in the originality department for Corrupt. So you're going to add those six numbers up this time because we have the extra point for the classic album. So you're going to add the lyric score, the album score, the one point for the classic album, the song score, the impact score, and the originality score. You're going to divide by five because that's the number of categories we have. You're going to get a final rating of 4.73, which puts Corrupt in 63rd place of 194 artists done overall. So certainly not a bad finish there for Corrupt, who winds up in the top third here so far, but that's a far cry from seventh overall compared to Eminem's list. So again, at this point in the study, I have to deem this list Eminem made as his personal favorites and not necessarily an all-time best. And like I said, I'm not into arguing over opinions, so Eminem is certainly entitled to his own opinion, but 
technically speaking, when it comes to skill level and accomplishments and things of this nature, Corrupt is not one of your top MCs. This should, however, keep Corrupt inside of our top 150 when this is all said and done. So, like I said, I don't want to blow this out of proportion. Not a bad finish here from Corrupt, just not necessarily what I was hoping to get given how highly touted he came, but... Shoutouts to Corrupt for doing his thing nonetheless and making it onto Eminem's list regardless of whether I agree with it or not. So now let's get into all of our lists, starting with our top 10% overall. In our top spot, we have Eminem who's in first place of 194 artists done overall. Directly behind him in second is Jay-Z. Directly behind Jay is Pun who's in third. Directly behind him in fourth is Vinny Paz of Jedi Mind Tricks. Directly behind him is AZ, who's in 5th. Directly behind AZ in 6th is Big L. Directly behind L is Nas, who's in 7th. Directly behind him in 8th is Method Man. Directly behind Meth is Cannabis, who's in ninth. Directly behind him in 10th is Black Thought of the Roots. Directly behind Thought is Killer Priest, who's in 11th. Directly behind Priest, we have a three-way tie for 12th place between Tupac, Biggie, and Jadakiss. Directly behind them, we have DMX, who's in 15th. Directly behind D, we have a tie for 16th between Pharaoh Manch and Jusselah of Jedi Mind Tricks. Then in 19th, we have Talib Kweli. And directly behind him is KRS-One, who's in 20th place of 194 artists done overall. So... While neither of our artists on today's episode were able to crack the list, we do have an addition here. Because of the total number of artists covered at this point, this list grows from a top 18 to a top 19, which allows the teacher, KRS-One, to slide back into our top 10% overall here, and I couldn't be more happy about this. KRS-One is an absolute legend who I really hope stays in this list and even climbs higher at some point, to be honest with you. This man is timeless, and I feel like he deserves a spot up here, but the numbers are what they are, and I won't allow my opinions to alter anything, so I hope he's able to hold on to this spot here, being the last rapper from the 80s to even be in this list, so major shout-outs to KRS-One and everyone else in that list for sure. Now we're going to move on to our top 10% lyrically so far. In our top spot, again, we have Eminem with a lyrical score of 9.5. In a five-way tie for second place behind Eminem, we have Pharaoh Manch, Black Thought of the Roots, Nas, AZ, and Vinny Paz of Jedi Mind Tricks, who all got lyrical scores of eight and a half. In a four-way tie behind them, tied for seventh, is Method Man, Jay-Z, Big Pun, and Cannabis, who all got lyrical scores of eight. In another five-way tie for 11th place, we have Master Ace, Jizza, Common, Big L, and Talib Kweli, who all got lyrical scores of 7.5. And And in a six-way tie for our 16th and final spot, we have KRS-One, Lord Finesse, Sean Price of Helter Skelter, Slug of Atmosphere, Jadakiss of the Locks, and Killer Priest, who all got lyrical scores of 7. So, again, no changes to this particular list at all today, so let's get right into our particular decades list. We'll start off with our top artists to make their debut in the 1980s. So your top five artists to come out in the 80s are KRS-One, Slick Rick, Rakim, Rev Run of Run DMC, and LL Cool J. As always, shout out to the OGs who were kings of their respective decades. Now let's move on to our 90s decade. Your top five artists to come out in the 90s thus far are Eminem, Jay-Z, Big Pun, Vinny Paz, and AZ. So fourth week in a row now that no one cracks this list. And again, even though we are currently in probably one of the greatest freshman classes of all time, some of these lists have become absolutely ridiculous to crack, especially so late in the 90s here. So it's not that we haven't had any great finishes, but to crack this list at this point, you have to be special straight up. Good won't cut it. So major shout out to these guys in these lists for sure. Now let's move on to our regional lists. We're going to start with our East Coast. Your top three artists to come out of the East Coast thus far are Jay-Z from Brooklyn, New York, Big Pun from the Bronx, New York, and Vinny Paz from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Moving across to our West Coast, your top artists to come out of the West Coast thus far is Tupac from Marin County, California. Behind him, we have Razkaz from Carson, California, 
And behind him, Ice Cube of NWA from Los Angeles, California. Moving down south, your top artist to come out of the south is Lil Wayne from New Orleans, Louisiana. Behind him, Andre 3000 of Outkast from Atlanta, Georgia. And behind him, Big Boy, also of Outkast and also from Atlanta, Georgia. Moving over to our Midwest, your top artist to come out of the Midwest thus far is Eminem from Detroit, Michigan. Behind him, we have Proof, also from Detroit, Michigan. And behind him, Common from Chicago, Illinois. So neither artist here today able to crack any of our lists at all, but lately in this study, that's been an extreme rarity, so we're bound to have some episodes like this, but nonetheless, man, shoutouts to Corrupt and Afro Man for doing their thing, and shoutouts to anyone who made any of these lists today. If you'd like to see any of the lists in full, you can give the Facebook website a visit at www.facebook.com slash Tale of the Tapes podcast. You can also give the host website a visit at www.anchor.fm slash tale of the tapes. Both of those links are spelled completely normally. Please do me a favor and hit that support button on the host website. I appreciate it. And that'll be all for today's episode. Next week, we'll be covering Napster legend Benefit and Wu-Tang mastermind RZA. And this episode won't be no slouch, so don't miss it. Tale of the tapes. Peace. Tell of the tapes. Might as well.